This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And today we are joined by Charlene from To the Journey. <laughs> to the, to journey. the Journey! To the Journey. I walked all over that. I'm sorry, Char. Uh, you know, I was waiting for Max to chime in. To the Journey! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Max is, is currently uh, in uh, wedding mode by the time this comes out. Well, he'll almost be married, I guess. We'll see. He'll be almost married. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> almost congratulate so, yeah. him. No, 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 Max. This week, unfortunately. But what can you do? So, but we have Char. So you know, what else? What else there could you go. want? So today we are starting a new series. This one on Kate Mulgrew and her uh, performance as Captain Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager, and. Red, I knew that. On Orange is the New Black. Um, <laughs> Please tell me I, you've watched it. I, I panicked for a second there because I haven't watched it. No. And I was, total, I was totally going to watch it. And then I'm like, I'm not going to be in town. Oh, good. That's one less thing that I have to do this week. <laughs> Please promise I, me you will watch the show because it is fantastic. But I realize I, we're saving that for later. I, I will definitely watch it. I will definitely watch it. I've been meaning to watch it. I want to watch it. It's just that time thing, you know? Yes, that stupid time thing really gets in the way of stuff. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> but today we're going to look at her work in Star Trek. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, she was Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. And, um, well, I I don't know if you guys remember pre-Voyager, sort of the lead-up to the show. But there was a lot of talk about, you know, what this new show was going to be and everything. And I remember hearing the rumblings. And it's weird because now, since it was pre-internet, I don't even know where I would have heard these rumblings, you know? (laughs) TV Guide. That's where I heard them. Okay. Well, there were, and there were plenty of magazines. There was Premiere Magazine. Um, Oh, yeah. Was Entertainment Weekly out by then? Yes, I think yes. so. And they Definitely. they were they were big on spoiling things. I guess so. Starlog probably. Right. Um, Cinescape yeah. I think was probably yeah. Oh, Cinescape sure. was out because I have the the special Voyager issue. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Trek but, Communicator. Star Trek Communicator. Yeah, but I wonder how much they would say. Yeah, since oh. they're the official one, right? Right. Yeah, they might have not delved into the rumor mill of all the behind the scenes stuff. But I remember they did so many previews on the show itself, you know, the characters, the ship, the premise. Yeah, yeah. And I do remember, you know, like people talking about stuff at conventions and everything leading up to it. But the big word on the street, the big thing which was going to sort of set this apart uh, from all the other Star Trek shows, initially at least, was that um, the captain was going to be a woman. And that was quickly sort of like, not denied, but, um, you know... uh, downplayed by the powers that be saying like well yeah you know we are we are looking at women but we're also looking at men and you know we're just going to find the best person for the job and it's <laughs> like well that's an interesting concept uh but i b- before i i give my opinion on that uh char what did you think 
about uh, the idea of a female captain. Well, let's start with that. What did you think about the idea of a female captain? I certainly thought back then, well, it would be due time. We've had all of these guys. It would be time for a lady. That made a lot of sense. Yeah, I I, I pretty much agree with that. What what about you, John? Uh, You know, I I don't think that I really thought too much about it, to be honest. Um, And that's not to be flip. It was sort of one of those things where you know, there's going to be a female captain. Okay, cool. I, I mean, I right. I sort of had the um, the like to me it wasn't that big a deal. Like my mom was a very you know like it it, it just it, it I never saw like a distinction there of like why that would be a big deal that a a woman would be the captain of the ship. Like that was never a a thing in my brain. Well, I do think that the whole female captain thing got way overblown and overpromoted. I think if we would have just kept that mentality of it's a lady, she's in the captain's seat, and that's it. Uh, I don't know. Was 1995 ready for that? Maybe that was the problem. Because I think today it wouldn't be as nearly as big of a thing, whether we had Janeway or not. I mean, it's interesting because, like, I don't really, and maybe it was just because I was young and, and stupid or something like that, but, like, I don't really... I mean, it was, it's like 20 years ago this week uh, from when we're recording this, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago, it seems like to me anyway, but (laughs) as, as like a 14 year old, I never really, you know, thought about that either as being like a significant thing, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe I was not, uh, you know, privy to society's, you know, general, uh, sexism or anything like that, but I, I just like pretty much like what John was saying. I was just like, oh, well, okay, well, that just makes sense because why would, I mean, you know, out of four captains, of course, sooner or later, you got to get to a woman since they make up over 50% of the population, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't there be a female captain? Right. Right. Well, maybe it was not necessarily our generation who thought so much of it. I think it might have been more of the generation of the writers themselves Mm -hmm. where Maybe they remember a little more about women's lib and went through civil rights and that's whole, that whole sort of thing and the power struggle of women in the workplace. I think that was much more prevalent for them than it ever has been for us because they paved the way for that. Yeah. And I could see, you know, someone like Jerry Taylor saying like, no, this has got to be a woman, you know, for sure, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's important. And it is important. I mean, looking at it, you know, now... I mean, yeah, I, I definitely do think that it's important, especially since we've had what another Star Trek series after that, and it wasn't a woman, you know. I'm, I mean, I, Rick Berman actually tweeted something on the anniversary of the show, which I thought was kind of interesting. He just said, uh, 20 years ago, a woman captain walked onto the bridge. No mention of her gender. She was the captain, plain and simple. And that was it. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting that he would say that because it seems like that was a conscious decision on their part despite the fact (laughs) that they said like well you know it could be a man i mean if a man's the right person for the job why wouldn't it be a man and am i right in thinking that some some guys actually auditioned for the part yes some really did yeah and i did i didn't know that that like that how like how significant a sample of the actors who came into audition was it was it just like uh you know two or three as like safety choices or 
You know, I'm not exactly sure of numbers, but I would say that there was a small group of men being considered largely uh, f- from varying uh, areas of descent. I think they had a Middle Eastern guy. Um, gosh, of course I'm blanking now. I can't remember uh, the other candidates. But they probably had like two or three really solid uh, leads that they were potentially going to go with if they didn't find the right female. They, they wanted to do if they wanted to use a female. But if they didn't find the right person for the part who they thought could carry the series, then they were going to go with a male. And that's so hilarious given what happened. But we'll eventually get there. Right. It, it's very strange. I mean, it, it almost feels like network uh, doing there or something like that. You know, like. Oh, yeah, it could have been. Like, do you really think that a woman could be a captain on Star Trek? You know, like, could there, could we really have a female lead on Star Trek? And it's like, well, or are we, we need to have a guy as a backup just in case we can't find the right woman. I mean, what does that even mean? I, well, you know? it's, like, it's like you have no faith in any actress whatsoever out there in Hollywood then. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll throw I'll throw out there, though, just to maybe give it too much of a uh, benefit of the doubt thing. But maybe it was just because this show was supposed to launch the UPN network. It was Suits Nervous. Like they, they, oh, were, yeah. they yes, were nervous that the true. audience was going to reject the idea of a female captain. And yeah. Th- oh, yeah. You know, Certainly so they the Suits to... were very nervous about this thing. They were nervous for the whole first season, as a matter of fact. That's why they kept messing with Mulgrew's hair. I kid you not. That was one really of the big not. reasons. <laughs> I, I, I totally believe you. Like they couldn't focus on the fact that she was there because that had already happened. That was locked. So let's focus on how she looks, as you do yeah. with the female, right? I mean, they it's didn't funny. mess with Kirk's hair nearly as much as as they <laughs> uh, did Kate Mulgrew's hair. Point of and order, William Shatner a... might have obsessed about his hair, <laughs> yeah. but that's different. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. I was going to say because the. The the hairpiece was in place back then, even in the, uh, but, in the yeah. Early series. And now, granted, they did almost make Picard wear a toupee. They almost gave Patrick Stewart a toupee, and they luckily chose against that. But still, that was a very short conversation compared to what they did to poor Kate Mulgrew. Fair point. Yeah. Fair what point. is it with with captains and hair that just? I mean, there's something about that. There's that's got to be because you know Cisco know. obviously has the whole thing too, where they made him grow hair. And mm-hmm. shave his goatee, and then once he shaved his head and grew his goatee back, all of a sudden, I mean, they even say like it was like night and day. All of a sudden, he was just like, "Oh, I'm comfortable. I can do this." But you know? what and yeah. you can see like a, a huge like leap in his performance, you know, after he changes his appearance. And, and wasn't part of that though um, because he he they did a Spencer for Hire movie, and he couldn't like he had to have his look changed, and so they were like, "All right, fine, come in like that." So like they they bent or something, anyway. That might have been. I know yeah. like he he grew the goatee, like on his break, and he's like like I can shave this if you want, but why not just let me keep it? And then I think afterwards he was like, "Come on, guys, just let me shave my head." Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand that obsession, but uh, <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Now, I mean, I I. I'm 99.9% positive, just based on, you know, logic and whatnot, that Jerry Taylor was probably fighting the idea of a guy uh, being in this role from day one. Because as, well, for the reasons that we stated before, you know, obviously it is important to have a woman in that role. 
But also, you know, as a writer of things, which, you know, makes sense and, and whatnot, you can't just write a role and then just be like, oh, yeah, I'm changing the gender because whatever. It's like plug and play, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, what that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is, is if you have a male captain, if you ultimately go with the male captain, then the dynamic of the rest of the cast had to change to balance out. And yeah. so... They'd already had a lot of their cast set already, but there was a lot of anxiety about that, wondering, well, if we, if they end up going with a male captain, some of us are out of here and we know it. We just don't know who because they're going to yeah. rearrange things. And then could you imagine Ugh, the uncertainty just, of that? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I guess that's the business, but geez. Yeah. You know, that's tough and, and weird. It's still weird because, I mean, it... It's almost like you're you're crippled as a creator because you can't do anything to make the character gender specific. It's strange. I don't know. I don't understand that. That always like even as a fourteen year old, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Do these people really just have no idea what they're doing or what's going on here? You well, know? I, mean, I I had a, 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 a I had a female cousin live with us uh, while I was in high school. And she went up going to the Naval Academy. So, yeah. like, mm. I, I mean, by that point, it really was. I, I think, I think, Char, you, you're right that it was a bigger deal for people who were a little bit older who were writing and creating the show. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize that sort of the sea change had happened behind them by a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Or, or maybe or maybe, you know, people like Taylor did realize that and they're like, it's time that, you know we have representation here and hmm. you know we shouldn't play this off like it's a big deal and the network was like whoa 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 no this is a big deal you know i'm i'm just guessing that's possible know. too i mean with as nervous as the upn execs were about having a female captain in a way it's no wonder that it was so blown out of proportion in the media mhm yeah but i yeah. mean if you also think about it i mean looking back now it really it really was important. It did have an impact. And many young girls went into STEM fields because of Captain Janeway. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it was blown out of proportion, but it did have a positive effect in the end. So does the end justify the means? I mean, whatever it was, whatever the reasoning behind it or whatever, you know, I, I think that it was definitely um, needed and definitely a, a, a good choice to make for sure. So, Okay, let's look at uh, Janeway as a character. Um, John, what are your thoughts on on the character of Janeway? Uh, I, she's a good character. I mean, I I didn't attach on to Voyager. We, we've talked about this on on past episodes, but like at the time, I was one of those people suffering Star Trek fatigue, and so when Voyager came out, it was just a victim of the fact that it's like I I'd kind of had enough Star Trek. I was like, okay, well, I'll see you every couple of years for a movie, but come on, guys, let's keep this light. And <laughs> I think that um, going back and rewatching Voyager at times, I like the character. I think that they did some good things, and I think that uh, Janeway, I think that as the performances solidified, as they figured out who she was, and as uh, Mulgrew figured out who she was, I think that the character really took shape and became an intriguing and a compelling character. I, I actually always think of the, the first episode you see her interacting with Da Vinci, on the holodeck, 
that was really e- even at the time because you know I would check in on the show every so often and I remember happening to check in on that show on that episode and watching it and saying wow hey they they've really figured her out this is a really good character I, I like this but then of course you know like it's in the way and there was still the Star Trek fatigue yeah. <laughs> Lashar what about you oh I've always liked Janeway uh Voyager, I'm, of course, people know my bias because I do the Voyager podcast on Trek FM. But I, Janeway was a character that I just kind of fell in love with very quickly, along with a lot of the other Voyager characters. And uh, I think that's one of the big reasons why I watched the show from its very start to its very finish. And that's the one series of Star Trek that I've done that with. Um, I think that at times she was very inconsistently written but always very well acted and portrayed by Mulgrew. I feel like she did the very best she could with the material she was given. I wish the writers would have maybe been a little more fluent among themselves as far as the direction they wanted Janeway to go, because it seemed like any time that a new showrunner took the top spot, they went with their vision of Janeway and had very little to no dis- or, or very little or no regard for what had happened before and didn't really seem to care too much about planning for the future. And so you have kind of different Janeways as you go through. And that's not Mulgrew's fault. That is the writer's fault, in my opinion. And a lot of people don't like Janeway because of that. See, I I think that that's somewhat annoying um, in the idea that people, human beings aren't consistent. They're all different at different phases (laughs) of their life. (laughs) And so I, I don't understand why there is this insistence that the behavior of a character is consistent. Uh, and I'm doing air quotes on an audio show, so yay me. But I don't know why <laughs> there's this insistence on a character being so consistent and having this consistent arc. I understand the rules of drama and and character development and those sorts of things, but people are going to go through different phases. And I think that probably the disconnect is because the, it, it was obviously... Therefore, a result of the writers not really knowing which way they wanted to go and changing directions. But it would be really interesting to see a creative team embrace the idea that a person is not going to be consistent. That they're going to be, they're going to have periods in their life or during the course of this show where their temper is shorter or where they're more analytical or more emotional overall. So, you know, just random thought there, I guess. But it's like, that, you know, I, I don't know why we have that expectation that somebody out in the depths of space with no help is always going to be the same person, you know, six months later that they were six months ago. I think the problem with that is that would have been absolutely fine if maybe we could understand a little bit more about where she was coming from and we could see a little more of it happen. It just seemed to snap from week to week. Think about Equinox. She flips her lid. We don't really see her do it quite in that fashion before or even since after that. And Hmm. so it's this kind of aberration. A lot of people say, oh, God, she's bipolar. Put her on some meds. That's an awful joke. Because for for one thing, if you know someone who's bipolar, it's a very difficult disease. But I just feel like we could have really examined her inner workings and why she felt that way. But we didn't. We didn't get that. And so we just saw... We saw what was on the surface without going deeper and 
mm-hmm. as an audience, that's kind of unsatisfying. Yeah, it's like if 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 she was um, well, I don't know if you would even call it inconsistent then. But if you know from week to week, she she did change and and have different sort of uh, perspectives on things or whatever. It, it, that would be okay to me as long as there was like a reason behind it, you know, and a logical progression or or whatever, a yeah. logical deviation. But if it really is just sort of a case of like new writers coming in and writing the character in a different way. Hmm. Unless it's, unless they're, you know, it's a very conscious thing. Like you see on like the X-Files or with, you know, Batman or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But on a show like Voyager, um, that might not work as well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The episodic nature of the show really kind of, you have to take that down so much and it just really seems choppy when they do try to do it. One thing I do love about Janeway, though, I do have to say is I do like the fact that she is flawed. She isn't perfect. And I know a lot of people give her a lot of grief because the writers did write her at times where she had to be right. You know, that whole thing mm-hmm. in her command decisions. But she she had a, she had a proneness to depression, for instance. And uh, that's a very relatable thing. I mean, we kind of talked about this recently on To The Journey. We all have our ups and downs in life, and it's kind of nice to see our heroes struggle with the same kind of things. And so I find that sort of thing very identifiable with her. And I'm glad that they kind of went there with that. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that type of thing, the, the inconsistency, I mean, you see that a lot on like the original series. It's there in a, in a huge sure. way. Yeah, that's you true. Know? And, and I don't know, maybe... I mean, I guess I never really had that much of a problem with it in Voyager because I was never invested in the show enough to really um, notice it, you know, from a a week-to-week basis. But, you know, I mean, if you were to hold Voyager up to original series, it would look like (laughs) an extremely tight continuity in terms of the characters and everything. It had continuity. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got to give TOS a little bit of slack just because... The time period was so incredibly different. Sure, oh, yeah. yeah. Everything was done differently then, you know. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, the character of Janeway, it, you know, because it, it, she did change so much over time, um, and even though I've seen all of it, I'm much more familiar with the early part of the show because that's when I was, like, really hardcore into it uh, myself when when it was on and everything like that. And so whenever I think about the characters on Voyager... I always kind of think about the beginning and where she was at the start of this journey and everything like that. And, and I, I kind of like, you know, how they set her character up and the idea of giving her like a fiance at home, you know, who she doesn't know whether or not she's ever going to see again. You know, that's kind of like a, a good a good little character trait, you know, for a story like this. And also the thing that I really liked about her, in addition to like her personality and everything, like I just kind of liked... Uh, the way that she was sort of presented her her attitude and and her command style and that kind of thing I thought was all really cool but the thing that I, I thought was sort of coolest about the character is unlike the other captains which very much came from sort of a militaristic perspective she was a scientist you know yeah she's basically she was basically a nerd you know and and uh that, that's, <laughs> What's that's pretty cool yeah. exactly you know and i kind of <laughs> like the idea especially since they always make such a big deal out of how starfleet is you know like a 
a, a much bigger thing than just the military. And while I understand that you need people in command who are good at commanding, it's also kind of cool to think like, well, yeah, but she comes from science, and you know that's what we do, so she's a scientist. And I, I like that a lot. On a science vessel. Is that what Voyager was? Yeah, Voyager is very much a scientific exploration vessel. It wasn't meant for big expedition in the Delta Quadrant, that's for sure. They were planning very short-scale missions, two, three weeks at a time, and mm. conducting experiments, charting, that sort of thing. Yeah. The, the more you know. I, I, I had no <laughs> idea. Anyway, so it, that's it, cool. it ended up way better than the captain of the Grissom. From Star Trek oh. movies, so. <laughs> yeah, Captain Wusshead, yeah. <laughs> I actually have another name for him, but uh, you'd have to change the rating on this podcast. <laughs> Family show, oh, Shark, well. come on. So what about uh, Mulgrew's portrayal of the Captain uh, Shark? I know that you're a big fan of Mulgrew because I remember when we were in Vegas and uh, the Mulgrew panel was coming up, you were like, hey, can you live tweet this one? Because I just want to focus. I just, I just want to focus all my, my attention on, on, on Kate Mulgrew. Yes. Yes, I just needed to stare at her for a good solid 45 minutes and realize she's real. <laughs> yes, and I actually, I really did say those things to you pretty much per diem right there. Uh, yeah, I am a fan of Mulgrew's and I became a fan of Kate Mulgrew via Janeway. I didn't really know of a whole lot of what she did before then. I didn't know her from Ryan's Hope or Mrs. Columbo or anything like that. I did realize after a fashion that I had watched Throw Mama from the Train with Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito, and she's in that, but I didn't realize it was Wait, her. What? When I caught that flick later, I'm like, oh, that's Captain Janeway. That's so cool. <laughs> and then I immediately had to have that vi uh, movie on video cassette. <laughs> so uh, yeah I kind of delved into her body of work as a result of watching her on Voyager and I love the fact that she comes from a very solid theater background I think that does show in her performance and some people don't like that but I do it gives her a very specific kind of flair that I like out of Janeway she's got some sass and uh, yeah I love me some Mulgrew what about you John I'm just fixated on. I didn't realize she was in Throw Mama from the Train, so now I got to yes. go back and rewatch that movie because that has yeah. some, of the, some of the best she... throwaway lines of any comedy of the time period. To be <laughs> it's honest, it's such with you. a great, stupid, wonderful movie. Yeah, it is in in many many ways. It really is, but yeah, no, she plays uh, Larry's ex lover or ex wife. Oh even I, I'm I'm totally going to have to go back and rewatch that now. You must. So. All right. Well, I mean, honestly, it's a funny movie, so I don't mind. But <laughs> it, in terms of um, Mulgrew, you know, not just as, uh, uh, you know, Janeway on Voyager, you know, I, I said earlier, you know, I think her, her performance definitely, you know, shaped the character and, and helped and all of that. Uh, when we were talking about uh, looking at her work, uh, I had forgotten that she was on Cheers uh, for a very mm -hmm. short stint. And anybody that's on Cheers is awesome. So obviously right. Kate Mulgrew is awesome. But, I, you know, I'll actually say that um, beyond her performances, when I saw her interviewed by uh, Shatner in The Captains, mm -hmm. that was the moment where my respect for her sort of exploded because that that segment of of the documentary was really fascinating. And it really speaks to her that... I think there was a lot of her in Janeway. I mean, any 
any actor, there's going to be a lot of them in their performances, except I hope Daniel Day Lewis, because that would be terrifying if there's Daniel Plainview somewhere inside him. But I'll say <laughs> he, that, he will drink your milkshake. Yeah, <laughs> you may have it. I'm just, go ahead, have it. Uh, but the, you know, there were a lot of aspects of of Janeway that I could see in her, and I, I guess in episodic television, there's no way to avoid that. Um, and some of the complaints you hear about Shatner through the years, you can see where they line up with some of you know, Kirk's personality traits and stuff like that. But I think that with her, she's such a, a very, I think it is her theater background. She has such a, a grounded way of connecting to an audience. I think it, I think that anybody that comes from that theater background, it has a really uh, rooted way of performing that can reach out to an audience and connect as opposed to somebody who does screen acting only uh, with, with a few rare instances. It is different. It really is. Yeah. And she does draw you in. I mean, she has such a charismatic presence. Like, you just feel her once she enters the stage. The energy changes. Yes. And I think that even though she, she took a few hits completely unfairly for her voice, I think that yes, as, agreed. A, as a theater actor... I think that her voice, she knew how to use it as an acting tool in a mm -hmm. very live theater sort of way. And that made it, even if you weren't a huge fan of the show, watching her perform drew you in because you could close your eyes and still still vibe on what she was saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's that good. That's why I've followed her career since. Yeah, I mean, her stage presence is definitely, you know, really strong. I mean, at, at that convention that, that we were at, you know, they made what seemed like a very odd decision to pair Mulgrew with Shatner and put the two of them on stage together. And it was one of those things where I'm like, this is, this is a bad idea. This is just not going to go well because Shatner is just going to overshadow Mulgrew and Shatner's at every convention, and, you know, Mulgrew's not going to get her, her time to shine. And Mulgrew basically got up there and um, not only held her own, but really sort of dominated Shatner at his own game, which was very, <laughs> very crazy to see. And I think they I think they realized what was going on, the convention people, because uh, in Chicago, uh, like, the next year, the two of them were, were there again and they put them on stage together again i'm like they they, they knew did. that they 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 struck gold and they they wanted to um you know use that to their advantage again and and it it totally works because she does have that that great presence she's not going to let anyone get the better of her you know mm -hmm. oh hell and i no. think <laughs> and yeah. i think that that's a a really cool uh characteristic to bring to this character you know and I think that her performance is really good. I mean, the way that she, I mean, we'll talk about this, you know, in a little bit, I guess, but the way that she kind of stepped into the role and just sort of made it her own instantaneously is really impressive. I mean, something that yeah. my wife always says is, you know, like, out of all the captains, she feels that Mulgrew is the best uh, performer. The only problem is that the character wasn't written nearly as well as the other captains, you know, in, in her, in her opinion. And I, I think that that there's something to that. I 
I mean, she's come on. She's not as good as Shatner. No one's as good as Shatner. Shatner's the best, right? But she's but Mulgrew. She's Mulgrew. Yeah. She's a close second, you know, which oh, is saying a lot because everyone's a close. Opinions. Daniel Day Lewis is a close second to William Shatner, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, Shatner's in his own league, but Mulgrew definitely has that take charge attitude, which translated so incredibly well to Voyager. I think a yeah. lot of that, she would say it has to do with her upbringing. She was one of nine kids, the oldest female, and really had to kind of help her mother keep things running smoothly in the house. So I think being bossy kind of comes naturally to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can see that. You can see that. And she's really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Pays off. So as everyone, I'm sure, knows, <laughs> we almost didn't get Kate Mulgrew on Star Trek Voyager. We originally had, uh, is an Academy Award winning actress or was she just nominated? Jean-Vierre Bujol, who, uh, obviously very acclaimed, obviously very good at her craft, and yet maybe not the right fit for Voyager. Uh, now, I remember when she was cast, I remember reading about this woman because I remember my aunt who was sort of like uh, the resident uh, Star Trek fan and the resident movie fan in my family. My aunt is kind of very much responsible for uh, um, guiding me in a certain direction <laughs> in my mm. life. And, uh, she, you know, you're reading off the names of these cast members, and obviously most of them are people that no one's ever heard of. And then they say, oh, the captain's going to be Jean-Vierre Bujold. And my aunt is like, oh, yeah, from uh, Anne of a Thousand Days or whatever it was. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, she's a really good actress. And then they said that she was being replaced by this other woman. And um, my aunt was like, oh, yeah, Mrs. Colombo. Oh, yeah, she's a really good actress, too. You know, but it was just one of those things where it's so weird. I mean, it is something that happens. It happens a lot with pilots where people are recast, you know, um, and, and they, they reshoot, you know, certain scenes in the pilot and then have the right performer going forward or whatever in, in their estimation. But it was never really something that had happened in Star Trek, at least since the original series, which did it in kind of its right. own weird way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when this happened, and as someone who doesn't really, didn't at the time, you know, as a 14-year-old kid, know anything about how these things worked, I was like, what? Oh, 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 scandal. What's going on here? Hmm. This woman must be really bad. What's going on? And that's just kind of how it was left until the, the DVDs came out in, what was it, the early aughts? It had to be the early aughts. <laughs> I yeah. hate it when you say that. It makes me feel so ancient. <laughs> back in the early aughts, we didn't That's even have Wi-Fi back then. Say, nothing sounds as cool as the early aughts, right? <laughs> no comment. Okay, all right, all right. So when the DVDs were released back in the early aughts, someone... I, I still I cannot you got to give these DVD producers credit and Paramount credit for actually letting this stuff happen but because it happened multiple times on multiple releases with these things but letting stuff out of their archives which you would never think you would ever see in a million years and one of the absolute biggest instances of that maybe the biggest of all of them came on that season one Voyager disc when they had a couple of scenes of Jean Viev. Bujold as Captain Janeway. And wow. I mean, just <laughs> That's wow. one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, your inarticulate expression of uh, disbelief. 
<laughs> as Tuvok would say. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify one thing, steer back for one moment. Jean-Vierre Bujold won a Golden Globe, was nominated for an Academy Award. Okay. All right. For Anne of a Thousand Days? Yes. Okay. All right. I, I would okay. argue she'll only ever be known as the woman who was almost Janeway. I don't think Maybe. anybody's going to remember anything else. Aside, aside from my aunt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people who really were into, you know, 1970s movies and whatnot when she was really big or really know their Canadian actresses. I honestly don't remember a whole lot about the controversy because I had no idea who Jean-Vierre Bujold was. And so when she left the show, I thought, oh, man, she must be a horrible actress, not knowing anything <laughs> yeah. at all about her. And then I, I later on, seeing those videos... Of, or, or the scenes that she did shoot, boy, am I glad she bowed out. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it was not a good fit. Not, not a good at, fit at all. all. I mean, they were clearly after the name and the resume because mm-hmm. she was probably the biggest name that they had auditioning, but boy, they really screwed that up. Yeah. Hmm. And luckily they fixed it, you know? Yes. I mean that that was that was really good. At least they they weren't just like we're we're committed, you know? We're yeah. because I mean, can you imagine what Voyager would have been like with her instead of Mulgrew? Dead. It would have been a completely different series. It would have been ha- dead after season 1. You know it would have. Would it have been Enterprise before Enterprise where fans jumped ship and just revolted? I mean, you know, I I'm not bashing on Enterprise, trust me. Yeah. Um, but you know, it wasn't what people expected it and people jumped ship from Star Trek at that point. They, they just did. And is it possible that if she had been Janeway, people would have just punched out, would have just been like, nah, you're not even trying, you know, like, yeah, I, I think there's awful. an argument for that. Yeah. And it, I couldn't could... see her growing into the role either. No, she just, she looked very uncomfortable the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah. I don't think that would have changed. Yeah. So it was very good of her to bow out, actually, and realize that she'd walked into something that she just could not handle. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I remember the rumor mill back then was that there was some uh, that the that there was a straw that broke the camel's back was that some costumer made a made some sort of inappropriate remark about how they had to um, amplify uh, her chest. Uh, in in the oh, costume really? or something like that. That was the rumor at the time. I remember that. Wow. I remember reading that article that she heard the costumer say that, and like she, you know, that was the moment where she was like, "I'm done with this, and I'm out." Like, because yeah, I mean, I mean, the rumor mill was, you know, we might get it faster now on the internet, but you know, there there was a fair amount of rumor mill stuff back then about it, hmm. about what yeah. caused her to go. Okay, I never heard that one. Yeah, and who I, knows for sure? Who knows if oh, no. if she if she left or or if if they said you know what no, or what you know I mean who knows you know I mean those things I mean it, it was for for years the 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 party line on on uh, um, Gates McFadden leaving you know Next Generation was like oh she had to go shoot Hunt for Red October which <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen Hunt for Red October yeah she's in it for like two she's seconds in two scenes <laughs> yeah at the beginning one where she's like. Don't forget to, to take the dry cleaning to this place. And then in another scene where she's like literally in a car yep. as Alec Baldwin gets out of the car. Yep. And it's like, no. And then like on that that uh, that big um, interview session that 
uh, Rick Berman did with the Academy of Television or whatever it is. I know that we've talked about this before. Have you guys seen it or anything? No, I haven't. I think I have. It's awesome. Basically, for like the uh, whatever anniversary of whatever, like the television society of television people or whatever, decided to like interview um, people who were responsible for television history and hmm. and let them tell their basically their life stories from working in television and they put them all up on YouTube where it's just like an uncut thing like the Rick Berman one it's 3 hours long just Rick Berman wow. Wow. talking to someone they go through his entire career basically the entire history of next gen era star trek and since he did this like just a couple of years ago he doesn't have. He doesn't have to worry about you know protecting yeah. the the whatever. So he just right. says everything. Just says it all. It is so good. And in there, he talks about you know uh, Kate McFadden, and they're like, "What happened? Why was she gone in season two? And they're like, "We fired her. You know, we did this because the the, the guy who was running the show didn't like her, and blah blah blah. And we fired her. So and then we fired him. And then it's like, well, we could hire another captain or." Or another uh, doctor, or we can just bring her back. And it's like, that that is not what they had been saying for like the past 25 years or whatever it is. And, <laughs> you know, I, I so I'm wondering, who knows, what the official story and, and the reality of the Jean-Vierre Bujold situation are, sure. but we may never know. Yeah, PR is a powerful, powerful thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's an evil thing. But yes, luckily we have Mulgrew and all is right in the world. Thank goodness. And the Delta Quadrant. Yes. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts on Mulgrew's uh, performance uh, in Star Trek? What about you, Char? (sighs) You know, I don't know if I would be the same Star Trek fan had Kate Mulgrew not taken the helm of the USS Voyager. Uh, And uh, I I have a lot to thank for that for one thing for for continuing my strength as a star trek fan keeping it going but then also just with Mulgrew in general I, i've really come to respect her both as a person and as an actress and uh, I, I love just how incredibly articulate she is how classy she is she's just a really elegant awesome incredible human being and she does bring that to janeway too and so uh i thank her for that what about you, John? How can I follow that? Honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, you yes. can. Come on. Yeah. Ditto. Yay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I have to say. Well put. Well put. Um, Thanks. Yeah. I, I don't have any, anything to disagree. I mean, she is. She's, uh, she's a very strong actress and, and a seemingly great person. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. You know, I mean, she she is really good. I think, you know, seeing seeing that, I mean, if anyone wants to s- sort of see what it is that an actor brings to a role, I mean, just look at, because those sh- scenes are done like almost the same, word for word, shot for shot, and seeing a different actress in that role, and then seeing, you know, her come in at the last minute with basically zero prep and just nail mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. it's It's like night and day. It really is. And, go on YouTube. You don't even need the DVDs. Yeah. So, yeah, go check it out. It's it's, it's very, very uh, insightful. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's eye-opening <laughs> if you've never watched it, that's for sure. 
Acting's always a lot harder than people think it is. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And she's good at it. So, well, next week I will not be here and Max will not be here. But John and Charlene will be here. So Yay! we're going to they will the be talking about Orange is the New Black and Kate Mulgrew's uh, performance on that show. I, for one, am uh, looking forward to listening to that. Uh, but yeah, um, before we go, we asked for uh, people to, to send us some voicemails uh, a couple months ago. I think it was in response to finding out that To The Journey received a voicemail. <laughs> and uh, we were like, hey, man, what's going on? How come we don't get any voicemails? And we hadn't gotten any. And uh, that, that sort of seemed to continue for a couple months. And then uh, someone alerted us to the fact that we actually did receive a voicemail, a few of them. Um, just a few, well, I guess a couple months ago at this point. So we figured we should finally uh, play them. This first one is from Gene, and uh, here it is. Hey, this message is for commentary, colon, Trek stars. I just wanted to chime in on your Voyager discussion uh, from your Jerry Taylor show. I learned from Max that just because I like something does not mean that it is good. And it's funny because I fully recognize that there are lots of problems with Voyager, but I have to say, I love it. And for whatever reason, I came to the game late with Voyager, and by the time I watched it, I, I was more a peer with you know the characters in the show than, say, a Next Generation where they were more of like a mentor or you know like a role model type figure for, for me. And... <laughs> I don't know why, but I just loved tuning in and, and hanging out with my friends. Uh, you know, I loved hanging out with Tom and, and Harry and even Bilana, and I loved going uh, on adventures with Chicote and crashing shuttlecraft and things like that. And uh, I, I just, it was great. I mean, I, I guess this is pretty obvious. You know, we wouldn't be talking about it if we didn't like it, despite its flaws. But I just thought I'd chime in and, and say, hey, uh, I recognize there are lots of problems, but gosh darn it, I like it. Uh, so there's one voicemail message. Sorry, it's a little late. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Gene. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's kind of interesting, an interesting take about on, on how like something can strike you differently depending on where you are in your life when you see it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things which I've always found. It's one of the reasons why I've never like, even though I'm not particularly fond of Voyager, although I do still like it, you know, I've never been like surprised. I totally understand why you and, and, and Tristan love it, because that was your trek. That was, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it was the one that was on when you became a super fan. And that just makes sense. You know, yeah. yeah, and we were also coming of age, which I think yeah. was very important at the time. Yeah. So you know, when you put a show in front of a young impressionable teenager, and the teenager sticks with it, well, there's a lot of memories that resonate still to this day. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, after we hadn't received that email, uh, I'm, I'm assuming a short time later, we received a second. I'm sorry, voicemail. Yeah. This one from 
Jiminy Joe Bob. Jiminy so Joe Bob. I'm going to play that now. Uh, the voice might sound a little bit familiar, but uh, we shall see. All right. Hey, commentary Trek stars. I heard you was looking for some voicemails, so I decided to give you one. I like Star Trek, and I seen it on my radio box. Some of my favorite episodes include Spectre of the Gun, North Star, A Fistful of Datas, Cowboys and Aliens, and Galaxy Quest. I hear your show is real good. Keep up the good work. Man, I feel sorry for that poor kid. His voice is changing. <laughs> well, yes. Thank you, Bob. We really appreciate the email or the voicemail. Yeah. Um, if you're a fan of those episodes and Cowboys and Aliens, then I would recommend a show called Firefly. It'd probably be right up your alley. It's better um, than Cowboys and Aliens. I guarantee you that. Cowboys and Aliens. Yes. And also, I just have to say, I love the fact that at the end of all that, he threw in Galaxy Quest. Because yeah. everyone knows that Galaxy Quest is the best Star Trek movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, not if you listen to the latest episode of the 602 Club. No, yeah, I know. I, actually, before that aired, I was like on Twitter, like messaging Matt Rushing, and I'm like, because he's like, I'm watching Galaxy Quest right now. I'm like, I hate how everyone says that. That's the best. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the explanation that it is more of a homage than an actual Star Trek movie. I think that does oh, it yeah. more honor. Yeah. It's not a Star Trek movie. That no. doesn't mean... I mean, I don't know. I think people who say that are like, you know, like trying to mean it as like a compliment. Like, yeah. Yes. And it's I, like, no, because, you know, most most movies... Well, I'm not going to say most movies, but there's a lot of movies out there which are better than most Star Trek movies. So, you know, <laughs> you're not doing Galaxy Quest a service by calling it <laughs> the best Star Trek movie. <laughs> But whatever. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Galaxy people Qu- mean well, but they're wrong. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think As I think it's possibly usual. one of those things where, and this happens every so often, where it's one of those things where it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek comment that just snowballed and became yes. mm. conventional yes. wisdom. And it's like, no, no, no. It, it was just a little joke. Yeah, it was it, funny that one time. Let's yeah. stop now. Yeah. It's been 15 years. Too Please late. stop. Yes. Stop. Okay. Well, since we didn't get that message either, we got a third message. This one from John Doe. Uh, each of these get progressively shorter. How did he spell kind of dough? Interesting. But here's here's our final voicemail. Hello, commentary, colon, Trek stars. This is not the same person who left you the last two messages. <laughs> now you have three messages. Bye. <laughs> well done, well, sir. <laughs> yes. Thank you, John. We really appreciate it. Yes. And sorry... That we didn't get to your voicemail sooner, we just didn't know how to how to check it. But you know, but we do once now. We found out we do now. Yes. So if anyone wants to send us a voicemail, let us know. Tell us what your favorite episodes of Star Trek are, or why you like Voyager, or whatever. And uh, yeah, we will respond. And I do believe yes, the official will. voicemail count now is commentary colon Trek Stars three to the journey one. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Yes. There you yes. go. You win, Miss Round Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> the game, the game is mine. 
Penis mightier. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. Well, yeah, <laughs> please do. Now I'm replaying every single one of those. Me too. Me too. Yeah, in my head. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking Wait about. Wait a minute. What? No. What? Come on. Okay. Celebrity you, you, Jeopardy SNL? Seriously? Uh, sorry. I, you know, Dude. I, I decided that, you, you know, you like if YouTube. I was going to start watching SNL, I'd need to start from the beginning and no, work no, no. my way forward. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you, you go on YouTube and you watch Celebrity Jeopardy tonight. You yeah, do you would okay. do that now. Well, after yeah. we're right. done recording. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's been fun talking about uh, Kate Mulgrew on Voyager, but that's not the only thing we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. So here's a taste of what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Because it's it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes, it's very Star Trek. It may be the most Star Trek of all Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Earl Grey. Kovac will tell us to experience Bij sometimes, in which case we will draw the Bij card, Klingon word for pain. Is so, it our birthday? It is. It is. It, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. To the journey! That's the one thing we could take from Homecoming is like paragraph one, Chakotay and Seven break up. That's for real. Yeah, they that shake happened. hands and go, hey, it's been fun. It's been nice. Thanks for the picnic. Eh, see then... ya. Commentary, Trek stars. Fair At this enough. point, like, they could say, yeah, why not? Star Wars crossover. I would, I would essentially say, fine. Both franchises are dead. Let's just sew them together and see what happens. Melodic Treks. One of the most well thought out alien races that you only see in one episode. Yeah, and the music is, is it's menacing without being over menacing, if that makes yeah. sense. Axonar, the official podcast. I think Justin Lin is a, is a fascinating choice to direct because the Fast and the Furious movies, even though, yeah, they're action, adventure, road race movies, are really about a family. The 602 Club. That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I think that is uh, a fantastic way to get to see just about any movie is, is kind of being able to watch it through a kid's eyes. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on all of the daily Trek talk. You'll find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Windows Phone, Xbox, uh, Zune, and you can also stream and uh, download uh, episodes directly from the website. Uh, so uh, check it out. I just did that all from memory, so I'm very proud of myself wow. right now. Rock on, man. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> um, you know, after you do it a thousand times, it just kind of comes naturally through osmosis. Yes, it does. Uh, and be sure to leave us feedback on, on iTunes and stuff, because apparently that's... Uh, good for getting other people to listen to the show and, and all that good stuff. Um, before we go, uh, we'd like to ask that you support our sponsor, which is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have the time for, uh, books like star Trek Voyager mosaic. That's the, that's the Janeway one, right? Yes, it yes. is. <laughs> which is written by Jerry Taylor, narrated by Kate Mulgrew. We always bring it up because it's always, you know, it's always the thing to bring up, I always guess. Always relevant. It's the Voyager <laughs> Janeway book. Yes. Yeah, we're going to keep on talking about it until you read it. We're going to make so it number read it, one darn on it, chart, or listen man. to it. Come on. <laughs> to the yeah. journey. To the I want journey. Book reports. That's I want for people you, Max. To give us book reports on this. 
It's it, it's it's the incredible life story of Captain Catherine Janeway, commander of the starship Voyager. It's read by Kate Mulgrew and enhanced with sound effects and an original score. And you can get it for free since you listen to commentary, Trek Stars, and uh, Trek FM. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and you can sign up today for a free 30-day trial uh, and you get you get this book. And, uh, you know, why not? It's Just free. do it. Just do it. Live a little. Come on. Yeah. Use your ears. Come on, people. Yeah. You can also uh, support us by going to patreon.com, which is kind of like, a, it's, it's like, it's like a monthly Kickstarter thing, basically, right? And, and uh, you know, your donation will help uh, us do certain things that we want to do, like get an editor or better equipment or uh you know all that that other good stuff and um you can get rewards for doing that like uh bonus content which we need to make like desperately we do like I, we keep on promising don't that we'll do, it, curtain, but we'll do it we'll do it it's gonna happen sometimes episodes don't get pull released back the curtain earlier. it's gonna happen sometimes episodes get released earlier yeah not 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 this one we're working some... on it but we really do need help because that helps us uh like you know, produce and broadcast the, the episodes very that tr- we make. Very true. And the thing is, it, it, it would help us in such a way where we would have the lead time to produce that that exclusive advanced content for if you. If we had a full-time editor, man, that would be a dream. Oh, I would cry tears of joy. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, help us out. You know, go to patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM. And, you know, even a couple bucks would be greatly appreciated. All right. Well, I think that's everything. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not forgetting anything because I don't have the copy in front of me. <laughs> you did that all from memory. <laughs> yes. Nice. I kind of stumbled over the Patreon thing, but, you know, whatever. It's all good. We made it through. I, yeah. I couldn't tell. <laughs> so that's it for uh, Kate Mulgrew. Now, uh, Charlene, where can people find you? Well, you can find me every Thursday with Tristan Riddell on To the Journey. To the Journey. Sorry. To the Journey. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, yeah, I know. We're, we're John's busy drinking. I, I don't <laughs> hey, know. Hey, what, hey, hey. That man. statement applies to so many situations there. it has no you meaning You thought you could anymore. take a break on your own podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. That doesn't ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me there. You can find me occasionally co-hosting the Ready Room with Chris Jones whenever we're doing a Voyager episode especially. And uh, I do believe that one is coming out fairly soon-ish if it hasn't already by the time this drops. So be on the lookout for that. We talk about Live Fast and Prosper. Ooh, and then also awesome. you can find me on Twitter at oh the Profanity. Yes, it does contain profanity. Excellent. What about you, John? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kessel Junkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. And you can also find me after you're done listening to To The Journey. Uh, to The Journey. Thursday, to The Journey. Every Thursday, uh, you can tune in to me on uh, Words With Nerds, which is available through the yeah. usual channels uh, with my buddy Craig. Excellent. And you can find me right here on Trek FM doing Standard Orbit with Drew. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com doing Commentary Trackstars Off Topic with uh, Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find all of us on Twitter at ComTrackStars. And you can email all of us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. 
Well, thanks again, Shar. We really appreciate it. And uh, we, I am looking forward to you guys coming back next week to discuss <laughs> Kate Mulgrew's work in Orange is the New Black. <laughs>